Praise God. Praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone tonight. If you're a guest in service with us tonight, we're so glad to have you. If you are joining us on the internet tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. Wherever you may be joining us from, we pray it's a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, give honor to our bishop and mother right tonight. They are ministering in one of the churches in the Maryland, D.C. district. And so uh, that's where they are this evening. And also mention good report that Baltimore service this morning. One received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that service today, and we are thankful for that. Praise God. If you're not standing and you're able to do so in honor of the Word of God as we get ready to read it, I know we've got some folks uh, out tonight that were on their way. Uh, we live out near the Bay Bridge, and this was, as far as I had seen, the worst traffic weekend of the year, and it continued today. And I know some of you, I think, had some traffic issues getting here. You're here with those that couldn't make it. Hopefully, you're now online somewhere and not just taking the night off, watching a movie or something. I mean, you know. Praise God. Amen. Esther chapter 3. Read a couple of verses. Chapter 3 and then a couple of verses in chapter 4. Good to have my niece Katie Strite in service this evening from Virginia. Brother Doug and Alex Strite's daughter. Praise God. Esther 3 and 8. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's law. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. That, that means they're living here, but they're living under another law. They're dwelling in your land, but they're not, they're, they're not really all that worried about your laws. There's a higher law. He didn't say it this way, but it's the truth. There's a higher law. They're, they're scattered and dispersed. I think there's a little bit of typology there. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasures. So the king responded to Haman and agreed to what it was he wanted to do. Skipping to chapter 4, verse number 13, Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, and there's been dialogue already going back and forth between them, in this chapter and now, he says to her, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Don't think, Esther, that just because you're living in the king's house, it won't somehow be found out you're a Jew. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall, then shall, not might, not maybe, not we're hoping. But then shall their enlargements and deliverance arise 
to the Jews from another place. Mordecai is saying to Esther, you might as well mark it down. Deliverance is coming. I know what Haman's got the king to do, but it ain't over yet. And deliverance is coming. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Message Bible says, if you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someplace else. But you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. Living Bible says, who can say but that God has brought you into the palace for just such a time as this. The New Living Translation says, Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Who knows is what Mordecai said to Esther. We know the rest of the story and so we know the answer to that question. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight on this subject, for such a time. For such a time. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence tonight. This opportunity you've given us again to gather together and lift up and exalt the name. We acknowledge tonight, God, that not everybody has this privilege and opportunity So we thank you for giving it to us tonight and pray that you would help us not to take it for granted in any way, Lord, but to cherish and treasure these moments we have together with you and with each other. I pray, God, that now through your word, your spirit would minister in this place tonight, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would hear what you would desire to say to us tonight, not a sermon, God, but a word that would come from you. I trust you for your anointing tonight, Lord. I depend upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's not really what I feel like is my direction, but I just can't quite leave it alone. Can I tell you, there's really nothing we're facing in 2015 that's new. The plot may be written a little bit different. Uh, the, the, the words of the story may be a little bit different, but it's not something new. In fact, the Word of God is full of examples where the Jews, the children of Israel, symbolic of the church, faced all kinds of adversity. And we find time and time and time again that God had a way of escape and God had a way out and God had a plan in advance of how he was going to bring about victory. I, I, I gotta tell you, I'm just a little bit frustrated right now with the, with the, the, this, this sort of negativity that seems to kind of have settled on the church care what the Supreme Court's done. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what anybody else says. This this thing isn't over with yet. And we're not going down. And we're not a bunch of helpless victims that are just hanging on until Jesus comes. That's not the way the story's going to end. 
Those verses we read in the beginning, Haman, like the enemy today, has set out the plot against the people of God. To destroy the people of God. And it's nothing new today than it was then. There's always an attempt to destroy God's people. There's always an attempt to silence God's people. There's always an attempt to try to get rid of God's people. But the problem is before the enemy ever comes up with his plan of what he's going to do to get rid of God's people. Before that God already set up a plan because he knew what was coming and he knew the way of escape before the enemy could even enact his plan. No weapon. No weapon. It got nothing to do with a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. You don't get that. You don't need to get that. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Don't forget what the verse said. It did not say no weapon would be formed against us. It did not promise that we would not have weapons formed against us. Some of you are a little bit discouraged tonight because there's some weapons that have been formed against you. He never promised weapons wouldn't be formed. He just said whatever's formed against you, it will not prosper. It will not accomplish what it was intended to do. At some point before it's too late, God's going to step in and say, Nope, I've allowed it to go long enough, but that weapon's not going to accomplish what the enemy intended it to do. So Haman begins to scheme, come up with a plan to get rid of the people of God. I realize most of you know the story here tonight, so I'm not going to get in to the details of the story. Then we pick up in chapter 4 as Mordecai is communicating with Esther because apparently Mordecai began to recognize something. He started looking back over the circumstances and the events of the past several years and is now realizing it's not an accident that you are where you are, Esther. It's not coincidence that you are in the position that you are in. And so uh, rather than a declaration according to the King James Version, he poses it as a question, could it be? That God has put you in the kingdom. That God has positioned you where you are for such a time as this. Here's the problem. We have no indication of any place in Scripture where Esther had an encounter with God or an angel from God telling her, You see, we have this mixed blessing tonight. We are able to look at the Word of God as it is complete. But you see, as we look back at the Word of God, our, our, our perspective, our past intersects with what was their future. We, we in 2015, we look back at the written Word of God and the stories of the Word. And so we're able to see from, from the outcome 
to the steps that got to the outcome. But what you have to remember is on the other side of that, there were some people that they didn't know the outcome. They didn't know what the end of the story was, and so they are living this way. And so Mordecai says, maybe. I'm not really sure. You see, 2015, you and I look back, and there's no maybe tonight. I wish I had one. Brother Barry, I guess you are one. I need two or three more. I, I know y'all been in church the last couple of weeks, and I got been on vacation, and it's just all pent up inside. But I just feel like preaching a little bit, but I ain't getting much help in here. You and I see what happened and we see the victory. And, and, and then I said it a couple of weeks ago. It's like watching, it's like watching the video of a game and you know the score. And so all you're now doing is see how did we end up at this score, but we know the outcome. You and I know that tonight, but they did not know that. And so all they know is maybe. You're brought to the kingdom. And what we know tonight is she was brought to the kingdom. We, we, we also kind of have this challenge. We, we, when we look back, we look through our filters. I, I know some of you may not realize this, but Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, was not in the Bible to explain the Trinity. It, that's one of the fundamental verses of us oneness apostolics. There can't be a trinity here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. And, and, and it works. It does. But that verse isn't about the trinity. You see, because we look back and, and we've got this, we've got this filter. When, when we look back at the word of God, we've got this filter from 325 AD. You don't know the significance of that. That's when somebody dreamed up this great thing called the Trinity. It didn't come from the Bible. It came from a group of people trying to appease the world. So, so here's the problem though. Even us oneness apostolics, we look back through this thing called the Trinity and then we're trying to understand Scripture Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord is about the fact that every nation that the Jews were surrounded by believed in multiple gods, some of them hundreds of gods. And so God says to them from the very beginning, I want you to know there's only one. <laughs> when he told Moses there was only one, he knew in 2015 we would dance and shout, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's no trinity. He knew that. That's not why he said it to Moses. He said it to Moses because your captives in lands that got hundred, they got a sun god, a moon god, a river, they got gods for everything. And I want you to be able to dwell in a land of strangers and not, not be, not be influenced and intimidated by their beliefs. I want you to be a minority in a nation that believes in hundreds of gods and still believe there's only one God. 
So if they could do that a couple of thousand years B.C., then in 2015, on the other side of this thing called the Trinity, we should be able to not be intimidated by a religious world that calls us heretics because we believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. Well, they write books about us. They have radio shows. They... A handful of people. That's nothing compared to living in nations in bondage surrounded by people that believed in multiple gods. See, so 2015, 325, then we go to the New Testament and we've got Jesus being baptized and we've got the Spirit ascending like a dove and a voice coming from heaven. And so in 2015, we got to figure out how to explain to somebody that that doesn't represent the Trinity. There was nobody standing around that day after that event that said, now you do understand that voice and this Spirit and this man here are not three sit. They didn't, they didn't have any clue. And now, now, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Because some of you that sit here tonight and believe you're one God apostolic, you still look back through that filter and still try to figure some things out. Instead of trying to figure out how to explain this by this, just get rid of the filter. So we, we look back and see what happened at the end, but sometimes forget somebody had to live from the other side to get to the end. That's, that's why, that's why over here, over here, you got a woman visiting. This, this will be our tomb for a second. Hopefully that's not symbolic of anything, but over here, You've got a woman coming distraught in mourning to a tomb to anoint a body. Because her point of reference is a cross and a man hanging there who she loved, who had died. And based on that, she came with an expectation of this. Only problem was, over on this side, there was an angel who had been dispatched from heaven. And so where he just came from, he's leaving behind victory. He's leaving behind a risen Lord. And he shows up from this side and says to her, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because he came from the side of the living. Problem was, she came from the side of the dying. And all she knew was death. What kind of question is it to ask her, why are you looking for the living among the dead when what she knew was the dead? But the reason was he had come from the other side and knew what the other side of the story was. 
So I understand tonight that you and I have the benefit of looking back to a completed story. And seeing what God did and the victories God brought about. And so we use that to build our faith. We use that to encourage one another. And we use that as, as the rhema to give us faith to believe that God will do something for us. Look what God did for them. Look how God brought them through. But we forget that there were human beings on the other side of that that were living towards that who didn't understand what you and I understand today. I, I, Noah had a word, build an ark, it's going to rain. He, he, he at least had a word. Abraham had a promise, go out, I'm going to make you the, I'm going to multiply, I'm going to, all this great stuff. Esther. Esther had chaos. Esther had heartache and pain. She was an orphan. And she's in a strange land. There are no angelic visitations like Mary had. The angel shows up to Mary and says, "You're you're highly favored. You're gonna you're gonna bring forth." So in a couple of you know weeks and months, when you start showing, you'll know what's going on because you just had an angelic visitation. But no angel ever showed up to Esther and said, "Listen, here's what's going to happen over the next little while, and I just want you to know God's in control." No voice, no promise, no dream, no vision, nothing. All she knew was all of a sudden one day the king is requiring every virgin in his kingdom to come to his palace. Because in Esther, tw uh, Esther 1 and verse 12, there's a feast that's going on. The king's feasting. So the queen decides to throw a feast and so then the king requests the presence of the, qu the queen. She refuses. Esther 1 and 12. The queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth and his anger burned in him. Just, just a coincidence. Who even knew? How many people were totally unaware of what was going on in the palace that day? That there were some parties that were going on and the king had just requested the presence of the queen and she refused. I, I don't think there were some people at the palace that knew what was going on. There were, there were some guys that were feasting with the king that knew the queen had been requested to come and had refused. But I, I doubt it was in the headlines. It probably wasn't in the news that day. It seemed like a coincidence. What wasn't seen to the natural mind was a chain of events was now being set in place. Oh, hallelujah. What seemed like just a drama, just a soap opera in the palace was actually God starting to put some things in place. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first? The queen refusing to come see the king or Haman's proclamation to have the Jews destroyed. Well, I know in the chronological events of it, Haman 
having a desire to destroy the Jews, came after what Vashti did. But don't forget, we've got an eternal God. We've got a God who is not bound by the chronological events of time. He knows the end from the beginning. And so before Haman already knew, before Haman decided to do what he was going to do and enact his plot, God had already set something in motion before that so that for such a time as this, Skipping down to verse 19, if it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not all altered that Vastai come no more before King Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal estate another that is better than she. Somebody just happens to have this idea. You need to get rid of Vastai. Don't let her ever come back. And you need to get a new wife. In the midst of all this, there's this orphan girl living with a relative, just surviving, just trying to make ends meet, not knowing that there's something else going on. And she's not just an orphan, and she's not just a nobody, but God has set something in motion for such a time. According to what I was able to find out, Vastai pitches her little fit, if you will, around 483 B.C. And it's about five years later that Esther becomes queen. And then it's about another five years until Haman comes up with his scheme and his plot to come against the children of Israel. So ten years, ten years in advance, without telling her what he was doing, without informing anybody of his plan and his purpose, God was positioning Esther for such a time. We, I, 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 if you take this in the wrong context, then you can probably use it against me, so hopefully you will not take it. And actually, I preached it a couple of weeks ago, so I guess I'll just say it again anyway. We have become rhema junkies. If God tells me, if God promises me, if I get a dream or if I get a vision or if, if I get a sign, then I'll know. Some of us plant ourselves and refuse to move until we know we've got a guarantee of what God's going to do. Unfortunately, there is example after example in Scripture where people did not have that promise in that way from the beginning of their journey. Not everybody got a dream like Joseph and not everybody got a word like Abraham. Some had no idea what was going on and were unaware that God was orchestrating things in their life and things around them to position them for such a time. Ten years. Ten years before it happened. 
God is putting things in motion so that when it comes time and there needs to be deliverance, He's got somebody in place. I've come to preach to somebody tonight. I've come to preach to myself tonight. I wish somehow we would stop reading and watching and listening to all the garbage that's going on in our world today. Because there's so many of us that are oppressed and some that are depressed by everything that's going on and all the news and the latest law and the latest this and the latest that. And somehow we're starting to forget we've got some promises. Whether it's promises God has given to us as a church individually or whether it's promises that were written in the Word of God thousands of years ago. We've got some promises and, and God is not caught off guard by what's going on in our world today. And God is not the least bit surprised by the sin that's taken place. And God is not the least bit surprised at the opposition to His Word and His people. And God also, and God also has set some people up for such a time. Jesus' name. We are not a bunch of poor, pathetic Pentecostals. I love when people pronounce it that way. We got somebody that preached here several times. Penny. It's not P-E-N-N-E-Y-C-O-S-T-A-L. It's Pentecostal. We're not a bunch of poor Pentecostals. We're not a bunch of pathetic apostolics either. What's how many? Anybody know off? What's the rough population of Baltimore? Anybody know? Uh, Six hundred twenty thousand. He's from Baltimore. If you didn't know. Six hundred twenty thousand. I was in service in Baltimore this morning. About one hundred ten, fifteen people there. What percentage is one hundred ten, fifteen people out of six hundred thousand? Ain't much. You know what? The great majority of Baltimore had no idea what was going on this morning. All I know is when I stepped through the door at 10 a.m. and Brother Bond was already leading worship, Sister Simpson and Brother Simpson are out of town. When I stepped through at the door at 10 o'clock, there was something I don't even know how to explain it. I don't know if I've ever quite felt it this way. All I could feel, all I could, the only thing I could way to express it was there's something bigger here than this. There's something bigger than us 110 people and there's something bigger than us 115 that nobody else may even know about. Somehow, maybe I'm the only one. If I am, y'all come lay hands on me. I've got a feeling I'm not the only one. Somehow, we've got to stop allowing our confidence in who we are and what we are to be affected by who doesn't know about us. Because it's really no surprise Jesus was kind enough, the Lord was kind enough to let us know a couple of thousand years ago. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 
doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, And the world knoweth us not. But because the world doesn't know us, doesn't change our sonship. And because the world doesn't know us, doesn't invalidate us. He said, the world doesn't know you because the world doesn't know me. But just be fat, just because the world doesn't know you and the world doesn't know me doesn't change the fact that I am the great I am. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, the past several mornings, I was, I was out of town last week on vacation, the past several weeks in my travels on Sunday mornings, I, I, it's been, it's been about 8.30, 9 a.m. on Sunday morning when I finally, God was kind enough to give me some direction for that service that morning and, 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 and this morning was the same thing and, 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 and finally, I mean, after all this great worship they give the pulpit, I, let me tell you something, I, I think I'm not the only one. A lot of you haven't had the opportunity to experience, but I, I, there's few things more intimidating when you're responsible for trying to figure out what to do when you know something's happening, but you're not quite sure what to do. I've kind of made up my mind in those moments. I'm, I would rather do nothing and look stupid than do something and mess this up. I can't help that we drove in and out of that city this morning and the majority of people had no idea we were there. I've come to tell those of you sitting in this place tonight, you and I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time. Brother Jolin, it's no accident you were born when you were born. It's no accident, Brother Boyer, you were born when you were born. It's not a coincidence. I know you've heard it preached. Bishop preached it. I preach it. It's one of my favorite messages I've preached throughout my ministry. But in Hebrews chapter, chapter number 12 or chapter 11, you get to the end of it and it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. Because God provided some better thing for us. And he said that they without us are not complete. Does anybody believe tonight? Brother, Brother Tino, I, I don't know what they say now. I, you, you're a little bit older than me, but I think you, 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 you probably, we were close enough. You used this term. We are not the scrubs that got left behind. I preached it a couple of weeks ago. Everybody in the organization gets a championship ring. Somebody, who was it? I forget who you were. My apologies. Somebody told me a story like a day or two later. Brother Barr. Some nobody. Doesn't play. Doesn't. What was that guy again? What was he? The, he cleaned the facility. Cleaned the facility and got a ring. I, I preached to you a couple of weeks ago. Talking, maybe it was a third. I think it was a Thursday night. I taught you a couple of weeks ago. We're all valuable. We all got a place. Doesn't matter who you are. We all get a ring. That was Thursday night. Tonight, Sunday night. We're not all a bunch of nobodies that just get a ring. We didn't get left here at the end to hobble along until the trumpet sounded. 
for such a time. For such a time. You think God wasn't smart enough? He couldn't have had Peter born in 1960, 1950? Do that? You think God couldn't have done that? You think God couldn't have saved Daniel until 20, 2000, until 2000? You think God couldn't have done that? Some accident that God decided for you and I to be here instead of them? No. For such. You see, our problem is the same thing Esther's problem was. We're hopeful, but we're not certain. I hope I'm here for such a time. I hope I who I am at this point for such a time. But I'm just kind of hoping. How about if we start looking at past evidence of people that were positioned for such a time, even though they did not know they were positioned for such a time. And if God was able to position an Esther for such a time as that, then God is able to position you and I for such a time as this. I know, I know, I know Bible prophecy is important and I know there's, there's revelation in Daniel and Ezekiel and I know there's all that stuff and I know there's seals and horses and plagues and I know there's all that. I know there's some bad stuff that's supposed to come. But it's a sad thing when all the church does is focus on the bad stuff that's here and coming. There is going to be, before this is all over with, a worldwide sweeping move of the power of the Holy Ghost that shakes this world. We are not going out of here limping and hobbling along just barely surviving. I know to the flesh it doesn't look good. And I know to the natural man trying to figure all this out. It doesn't seem good. But I'm telling you to the spirit man. There ought to be something inside of us. That rises up and says. I understand what it looks like. And I understand what it appears is happening. And is going to happen. But I've been brought to the kingdom for such a time. No, I'm, I'm sorry, I've used it before, forgive me for using it again, but you, you, the guy that makes the winning shot, it, it may happen in, the, in high school or something like that, somebody gets lucky, but most of the time the guy that makes the winning shot or the guy that hits the winning hit, gets the winning hit, or the guy that throws the game winning strikeout pitch is not the guy that was hiding somewhere down on the end of the bench and just happened. It was the guy that was sitting there waiting for the opportunity. It, it's the guy that comes down at, at the end of the game and there's only a few seconds on the clock and, and we need a three-pointer to win the game. Forget the tie. Let's just win the game. And he comes down and he's not hiding over in the corner thinking, I hope they don't throw me the ball. 
But he gets himself in position and he's waving hands and he's trying to get the attention because we need a final shot and I want to take the shot because I've got confidence that I can take the shot. I understand, I, I said a little while ago, the majority of Christians, sincere Christians in my opinion, do not have a trouble thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to think. I know the Bible says not to think of ourselves more highly. I know that. And there are some that do. But I don't think the average Christian's problem is thinking more highly of himself than he ought to think. The average Christian's problem, sincere child of God's problem, is thinking less of himself than he ought to think. When I are not here by accident, I understand most of you did not have a, a road to Damascus bright light experience. I understand a couple of you had some things that were close to that, but most of us didn't have that. Most of you did not have an angelic appearance calling you into the kingdom. Some of you just happened to stumble at the right place at the right time. There was no red carpet. There were no great announcements. There was no announcing of your name. Behold, Carrie Mark is now in the kingdom. Most of us just kind of slid in on our seat. You know what? Not every superstar in professional sports was a first round top draft pick. There's some guys that were a couple of rounds down, but somebody saw something. Somebody recognized something in them, and somebody decided, I want them. Nobody else sees what I see, but I see something in them. I'm preaching to some people tonight. I'm preaching to some people tonight. Others may not and you may not see what God sees. But God positioned you for such a time. Oh, Jesus. It's the, it's the four by 100 meter relay. It's my favorite Olympic event. It's unlike all the rest of the races because the rest of the races, it's all about one guy. You run your race, you cross the finish line, doesn't matter what anybody else does. You just do the best you can. But that four by 100 meter relay, you got four guys that are dependent upon each other and they got to carry that baton and they got to pass it. And it doesn't matter how fast you run. If you run without the baton, you're disqualified. Don't be intimidated by people that are blowing past you running but ain't carrying nothing. Those that are running past you free of truth. I've been set free from that bondage. I've been set free from that legalism they preach there at that church. I ain't carrying nothing. Excuse me, I got my roots coming out, my Mississippi roots. I ain't carrying nothing tonight. All right? My hands are empty. Free to run, free to dance, free to cross the finish line and be disqualified.
I'm going to run, I don't want to carry something. But if it's the relay race, you better carry. And you better get it passed. That's why, boy, there's a, there's a lot. I know, I know in one context, potential is a dirty word. But in this, if you're 50 years old and you still got a bunch of potential, that might not be good. If you're 85, 90 years old and you're still full of potential, that's probably a problem. That means you ain't done nothing yet. But you know what? If you're 13, 14, 20, 21 and you're full of potential, that's all right. You still got time to use that potential. Well, there's some potential, man. Young men, young women, some potential. I can promise you the enemy's going to come along and tempt you to run this Christian race. But just run it free. Find an easier way. Find a church out there that'll let you do what you want to do. Find a church out there that'll let you on their platform and they don't care where you were the night before. Find a church out there that'll actually come pay you to play and don't care what you do. But Antioch, I mean, you got to have leadership, you got to do this and that to get up on that platform. There's a whole lot of easier ways. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that seem right to a man. But the end is not the way you want to go. So that relay race, they, they, those runners run and they pass that baton. But that last guy, that guy's called the anchor man. He's called the anchor man because usually he is the fastest runner. And so what that means to me is this. If our team is already winning, when we get the baton to him, it's going to be really embarrassing. Because we're already winning. And when he gets done, they're going to be so far behind. It's just going to be bad. But the other side of it is, if we're losing, If we're behind in the race, all we got to do is get the baton to the anchor. Because if we can get the baton to the anchor, he has the ability to make up the gap. So I don't really care if the church is ahead right now or behind right now. You and I are here. And if you and I are here, I don't think there's much debating. We are living in the last days. That makes us the anchor. Doesn't make us the leftovers. Doesn't make us the rejects. Doesn't make us the ones that God decided, I got to make you at some point, so I'm just going to stick you there then. No, God specifically decided for you and for me to be in the kingdom for such a time. I wish I could give every person in this place tonight trumpets from heaven and an angelic visitation that you would be able to know, Kevin Breckenridge, you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time. Charlton Heston on the, on the speakers telling us in God's voice, Eric Ingbum, been brought to the kingdom. You ever had that? You ever gotten that? No. 
You ever even gotten a still small voice? Eric, you've been brought to the king. No, not No, but you're here, aren't you? What would happen to all of us tonight if we would decide the very fact that I'm here is all I need? It's all I need. I don't need Brother Shelton. I don't need Brother Hood. I don't need anybody else to come prophesy over me, tell me all kind of great things God's called me and brought me to the kingdom for. I'm here. So if I'm here, I've been brought for such a time. If I'm here, God knew what was going to be going on in 2015. And God knew the adversity. And God knew that sin was going to be abounding. And God knew that man was going to be getting more and more evil. God knew all of that. But God also knew that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so I put you here for such a time. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if it's summertime. I don't know if it's the devil. I don't know what it is. But I do believe I've, I don't believe I've missed it. So I'm, I'm not going there. It's time for something to break in us. It's something, time for something to rise up inside of us that says, I have, I'm going to stop asking, I'm going to stop questioning. It's no longer going to be a question, it's going to be a statement. I have been brought to the kingdom. I stopped at it when I started, first started preaching. But notice again, please, what Mordecai said to Esther. He did not say, Deliverance might come. There was no question or doubt that deliverance was coming. There was no uncertainty for Mordecai that what Haman is trying to do is not going to work. The only thing that's left to be decided is who God's going to use to bring about the deliverance. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in these last days. There's going to be a great harvest to Antioch, the apostolic church, in these end times. That's not a question. That's not a maybe. We're not hoping. We're not dreaming. We're not wishing. We've got guarantees. So it's not a matter of if. It's simply a matter of who is going to be the ones that are participants in what God is going to do. And I've come to tell you tonight you've been brought to the kingdom I know I've already said it and I probably should just stop preaching and quitting but I'm not the point I've already tried to make and I will make it here as I think I'm closing they did not know in advance the significance of who they were Esther had no idea in advance the significance that she was in God's plan. Naomi, when she left Bethlehem to go down to Moab, had no idea the significance that she was playing in God's plan. She did not know that God was allowing her to go out, go down to Moab and her husband was going to die there and her 
sons were going to die there, but in the course of that, she was going to get connected to two daughters-in-law, one who was going to decide to stay where she was when the opportunity came, but a second who was going to make a decision that your people are now my people, your land is now my land. Wherever you go, I'm going. There was no, thus saith the Lord, Naomi, Naomi. Thus say, you know, that wasn't at church on a Sunday night with a man there with a prophetic gifting? Naomi, stand up. I have a word from the Lord for you tonight. God's going to take you away from this place for a season. In that season, you're going to lose everything you've gotten. It's going to look like it's all over with, but God's going to bring you back and everything's going to... She didn't have it. Had circumstances and situations that led her away from home and lost everything she has, and she comes back to Bethlehem not faith and excitement. I'm going back to the house of God. Woo! No, she just decided there's been enough heartache and pain here, I'm at least gonna go suffer at home. She goes back home, and everybody starts greeting her, and she says, Hold on. Don't call me Naomi anymore, because God has dealt bitterly with me. Isn't it amazing? I don't know if I've ever done this before, and we'll do it tonight. Isn't it amazing that sometimes it's what seems to be your bitter situations that are the very situations God has orchestrated in your life to get you positioned for what He has for you to do? No, we, we, we didn't get a word, so I must be here. God didn't tell me I was going to go through this. I know all those spiritual people, God tells them everything. I'm not one of them. He usually don't tell me nothing. I'm trying to figure out where he is. I look for him in front of me and I can't find him. I go back behind me and he ain't there. I look on the left hand where he's helping everybody else and I show up and he leaves. I give the other side one more try and he's not there either. But he knows the way that I take. He knows exactly where I am. And when he gets done, it's not going to be over with. But I'm going to come out of it better than I went into it. Oh, hallelujah. I wish, I wish somehow before I quit preaching, at least one person would just decide, y'all might as well give it up because I ain't one of those calling out kind of preachers. I prayed for a lady, I, I called out a lady this morning. All I knew to tell her was God wants to do something for you today. You know how, that's impressive right there, isn't it? how in all all that congregation was at me oh brother I just read her mail I just picked up one of those mass mail outs and handed it to her I did believe and I was feeling all service long God wants to do something for you if he tells me what, I'll tell you. Otherwise, all I know to do is tell you God wants to do something. She started crying, so I guess I read her mail. 
got to get some of y'all to help me that know how to open the envelope and get all in the... I, I, need, I need help. I'm just a mailman. God's got something for you. Hope you figure it out. I know the rest of y'all don't do it, but I've been, I've been, in, I've been in those services. Angie had a, one of them guys call her out and told her her name. She's got a plaque with the prophecy. How, can you imagine that? Some stranger? Never met you? It was, I'm sure it was awesome. And all the rest of us sit there, ooh, call my name. Here I am. Mm, nah. Nathan, does that mean something? Woo! And 99.9% of us never get it and leave disappointed because God called one person's name. Unlike the woman with the issue of blood, said, I didn't come to get my name called today and see if God would realize I was here. I came to find him. I wonder if there's somebody here today that would connect with the Spirit of God right now and something would arise inside of you and says, Yes, me, I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time. Maybe it's not to stand behind a pulpit. Maybe it is. Maybe it's to be a worship leader. Maybe it isn't. It doesn't matter what exactly it is tonight. That's not my point. My point is you and I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time because deliverance is going to come from somewhere. It's just a matter of who is going to be the ones that God uses to bring about the deliverance. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, would you, I know you already are, but beyond what you're already doing, would somebody respond to the Holy Ghost tonight? Would somebody let the Spirit of the Lord touch you right now and confirm what I've been preaching to everybody here tonight, that God is talking to you tonight, that what I've been preaching to the whole sanctuary, that God is also talking to you individually and he has brought you to the kingdom for such a time he hasn't brought you just to sit on the end of the bench and watch the game that's going on but God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time to be a participant to be a player in the game that's going on in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I don't want it just to be a question. I don't want it to continue to be a question. Am I in the kingdom for such a time? I don't want it to be a question that I keep asking. Have I been brought for this time? But God, I want it to become a statement. I want it to become a declaration in my life I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time I have been positioned where you have me for such a time I am here for such a time 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I know there's a lot of you that are already responding, but can I open this altar right now and and invite some of you to go a step beyond just responding where you are. And I, I invite you to come. And the primary reason I invite you to come is as a step of faith, as a declaration of faith. God, I respond to you tonight that you have brought me to the kingdom for such a time in the name of Jesus not here by accident I'm not here because I'm a leftover I'm not here because I'm a reject that you just somehow stuck here at the end of all of this such a time doesn't matter if you got a title or no title. Doesn't matter if you've got a position. Doesn't matter what your role is. Doesn't matter what your place is. The point is you and I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time. God, deliverance is going to come. Revival is going to come. Harvest is going to come. Salvation is going to come. Outpouring is going to come. The miraculous is going to come. Deliverance is going to come. That's not the question. The only question is who is it going to come through? And so tonight, God, here I am, a part of the kingdom for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Obviously, I'm not preaching to be proud. I'm not preaching for us to become prideful. Obviously, that's not the message I'm preaching tonight. But I am preaching that we need to allow God to give us a confidence in who we are and what we are and why we are here. I've been called, I've been chosen, I've been positioned for such a time. Whatever God's called me to do, wherever God's placed me, whatever role God's put me in, I've been put there for such a time. God decided a long time ago, even when I didn't know He was orchestrating it, even when I didn't realize that He was behind the circumstances, God started a long time ago positioning me for such a time. I come against every doubt tonight that wars against the minds of the people of God. I come against every fear tonight that wars against the minds of the people of God. Let there be a transformation of our minds tonight. Let there be a renewing of our minds tonight, God, in who we are and what we are and what you have called us for, what you had positioned us for, God. In the name of Jesus, there's nothing the world has to offer me that gives me any more significance than what God has for me. There's no position in this world that I could be given that would give me any greater significance than the position God has given me in His kingdom.
There's no job. There's no career. There's nothing. There's nothing that could give me any more value, that could give me any more significance than simply being who it is. God has created me and called me to be in the kingdom for such a time. I'm not positioned here to be a spectator. I haven't been put here to be an observer. I haven't been put here to sit on the sidelines and just watch everybody else and what God does in and through everybody else. But I've been brought to the kingdom for this time. been called to be a contributor I've been created to be a conduit for the Spirit of God to flow through and work through and move through I've been positioned by God to be used to bring deliverance to somebody I've been positioned by God to be used to bring deliverance to a neighborhood to a city to a state maybe God's called you to be used to bring deliverance to a nation but it really doesn't matter even if it's just one even if it's just one I've been positioned I've been positioned for such a time. I've been positioned for such a time. It may seem like coincidence. Everything that's gone on to bring me to where I am right now. It may seem like coincidence. It may appear to be chance that has brought me to where I am. I may not have gotten a word. I may not have gotten an angelic visitation. I may not have had a dream. I may not have had a vision. But God has positioned me for such a time. For such a time. I was born for such a time. I was created for such a time. I was called for such a time. I was positioned for such a time. I'll do whatever it is God wants me to do. I'll do whatever it is God wants me to do. Even if from a natural perspective it seems insignificant. But I'm going to acknowledge no matter what it is I'm called to do. I'm not insignificant. I've been brought for such a time. If I end up just being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, that's okay. I was brought to the kingdom to be a doorkeeper at this time. In the name of Jesus, touch our minds tonight, God. Touch our minds tonight, God.
For such a time, for such a time, I am here for such a time. I am here for such a time. I was born for such a time. I was created for such a time. Maybe my life has been a life of adversity. Maybe my life has been in obscurity. Maybe my life has been one heartache and pain after the other. But I was born for such a time as this. And God ordered the steps of my life to get me to where I am for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'm not just a spectator in the stands watching. I'm not just called to be a spectator in the stands watching somebody else. But I've been called to be a part. I've been called to have a place on the field. I've been called to have a place in the game. I've been brought for such a time. I've been brought for such a time. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm not going to look at me anymore from the perspective of how I see me, but I'm going to look from the perspective of what you see, God, what you've called, what you've created, what you've designed, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ilamando robo koho shata rabaka yandolo boho satala bahaya. Ilamando reitie ya rabo sandala bakia rabahase. Ayala robo ko shata ramandolo robo sataba. In the name of Jesus. 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 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I realize it's probably become fairly trite and I know many of you have heard it probably many times but it's true it's not about my ability it's not about your ability it's about our availability it's about willing to be available to let God do what he wants based on what he sees not what I see not what I think can be done but based on what he thinks can be done. In the name of Jesus. 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 In in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you want to go, need to go, you're welcome to go. But I just don't think the Holy Ghost is quite done yet, so... Do what you want to do. Hallelujah. Myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away I give myself away So you can I give myself away Oh, I give myself away So you can use me. I give myself away I give myself away So you can I give myself away Oh, I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away 
I give myself away so you can use me. My life is not my own, to you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. is not my own to you I belong I give myself I give myself to you oh my life is not my own to you I belong I give myself I give myself to you is not my own to you I belong I give myself I give myself to you I give myself away oh I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away myself away so you can use me I give myself away I give myself away so you can use oh my life is not my own to you I belong I give myself, I give myself to you. Oh, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. Oh, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself I give myself away Oh, I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away I give myself away Give myself away.